Hey guys, welcome back to Esthetician on the Edge, the podcast. In this week's episode, I wanted to talk a bit about social media, but not like you guys want me to talk about it. I am also going to do a quick theory on high frequency, and then if there's any time left at the end, we will do a Pam of the Week. Okay, in the first segment, I wanted to talk about high frequency, what it is, what it does, and why you should love it. A few weeks back, I posted a story and I was asking you guys, what are some things that you hate that other estheticians seem to just absolutely love? And it was a wonderfully entertaining 24 hours for me. When I say y'all's responses had me in stitches, I was dying. Some of you were ready to throw hands over your favorite products and your favorite procedures. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Dermalogica people. (laughs) One particular response, though, garnered a lot of your attention. Someone had responded with the answer that high frequency... Uh, It didn't work for her. And as a lover of this very inexpensive, effective tool, I responded with something like, what? You know, like a million question marks. And I was like, I love it. It's one of the best things ever. And I love to use it after a Brazilian to reduce issues with clients. And from that moment on, like every other direct message I got was about high frequency. And what the fuck did I mean that I was using it during a Brazilian? So today I tell all and hope you begin to utilize your high frequency in your services and do it properly. First and foremost, what the hell is it? What is a high frequency unit? A high frequency wand is a tool that is used in aesthetics to basically fight acne and to help build collagen. It utilizes an oscillating current. Now an oscillating current The rate of speed is so high, it means that the tool does not have a polarity. So it's neither negative or positive. Therefore, it cannot cause a chemical reaction. Hear me. It cannot cause a chemical reaction. This is the reason that I and other people that are in the know of high frequency roll their eyes when we see people on Instagram using a high-frequency wand over a mask or with a product. Like, what you doing, Dumplin'? That, that's not how that works. That's not going to do anything. Nothing at all, except maybe potentially electrocute someone, and, and that's about all you're going to get from that. So stop using your high-frequency wands with products. It, it doesn't do anything at all. Because again... It has no polarity, and it has to have a polarity to produce a chemical reaction. I'm, I mean, yeah, it, it does produce heat to an extent, but not enough to actually cause a softening of the pore. Uh, you, you just won't maintain skin contact long enough for that to be effective in softening the pore. I mean, that's just how it is. So we have established what it doesn't do. Does not cause a chemical reaction. Now let's talk about what it actually does. The main purpose, the reason most estheticians use a high-frequency wand, is to help with bacteria. And it does this by creating something called ozone. Now what is ozone? Ozone, ozone is three molecules of oxygen. And as you all learned in school, bacteria cannot live in the presence of oxygen. So 
when you're using your high frequency, you are effectively killing any bacteria on the surface of the skin and in the pores before it becomes a problem for your client. That, um, that's what you're smelling. That smell that is ozone. And yes, it can be used for anti-aging. And I know there's some people that say you can use it to relieve sore muscles, but come on, it's a tiny little glass electrode. You'd be better off to just buy a Saluma or a mask, something that's a little bit bigger, a little bit more geared toward building collagen or loosening type muscles than using this tiny, tiny little wand to try to do that. I think this next part, this is where people get confused. And one of the main reasons why it doesn't work, there are two different kinds of electrodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know. I know that there is a variety of electrodes to use when you get your unit. But within all of those glass electrodes is the thing that makes the magic happen. It's something called gas. Two very specific gases, one known as argon and the other known as neon. That's where the wands glow. Like when you turn the lights out, you can see the glow. That is where the glow comes from are these different types of gases. And if you are not seeing results from your wand, chances are you are using the wrong type of electrode. For an oilier skin or for ingrowns or for acne issues, you want to make sure that you're using a wand that has argon gas. And that's going to give your glass electrode more of a violet kind of hue. Now, a neon gas is good for things like building collagen, wrinkles, that kind of thing. That is going to be an orange color. And I do see a lot of people on Instagram all the time using the orange electrode to treat acne. And this would go a long way towards explaining why they are not getting the results that they want from the high frequency unit. If you are purchasing a wand, please make sure that you read through the description and make sure that you're getting the correct electrodes for the services that you're planning to offer. Now, personally, I never use mine for anti-aging, like I told you, because I'm not convinced it works for that purpose. And hello, even if I was convinced it's tiny, I would find a better way to make it happen. So I only use argon in my room. So all of my wands are violet. When you get your unit, you will notice that there is a plethora of options for you to use in your box. Your glasses will come in a comb shape, a spoon, um, a mushroom shape, and the one that I like to call the sparker. And it's just super narrow and it has a tiny glass ball on top of it. Now you'll use each depending on the area that you're working on. The sparker for me, it's for more of um, like if you're going for a very specific area, like if you're honing in on a pimple, you're wanting to spark a pimple, or if you're working around the nose, that, that makes it really easy to use. Now, the sparker is also going to help, which they all do, but I just feel like the sparker, because it's such a direct, like it's really easy to use, that it helps coagulate. And in some cases, it can bring pimples to a head. A lot of times you'll see that happen. Now, the comb glass, believe it or not, this is amazing to use in your facials, especially if you're doing a guy that has a beard. It feels really, really good. I've also used it in scalp treatments for people who have shorter hair. Also, in um, adding time to your facial too. Like if you're like me and you move too quickly through things, 
this could be something you could use to add in a little bit more time and clients tend to really like it. You can use it on longer hair. Um, I say shorter just because it's easier, but you can use it on longer hair. It's just a little bit more cumbersome to try to brush it through when you have a client that has super long hair or if they have a lot of product in their hair, if their hair is curly, it, it can be a little cumbersome. Now for facial high frequency, I use a gauze mask. So I just take one of those really paper thin gauze masks you can get through your supply company and I place it on the client's face, pat it into place, and then I start. But you can choose to instead use a 4x4 that has been banded to the end of your glass electrode. It doesn't matter. Whichever one that you are most comfortable using, use that. I personally prefer the mask. I, I just, I like that. That's what I learned on and that is what I'm comfortable with. Now let's learn how to properly use your wand and I'm going to do a total literal step by step. So if you already know how to do this, fast forward because you're going to be bored. Step one, you are going to turn on your unit and you want to adjust the power to the level that you need because it can go too low and it can go way too high. It should be at a nice low constant hum for general use. Like if you're just doing a high frequency all over the face, listening to me right now in your car, that doesn't make any sense. Cause you're like, what the fuck is she talking about? What hum? But the minute that you turn your unit on, you will hear that hum. And then you'll know what I'm talking about. In order to not startle your client, you want to ground your electrode before you make contact on their face. If you just kind of like pop it onto their skin, it can create like a tiny, tiny little spark of electricity. No, it doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt a bit actually, but it can cause your client to jump. When they jump, they could knock the electrode out of your hand and then boom, it's busted. You gotta buy another one. So we ground it and to ground it, you want to make sure that you're holding the base of the unit firmly. And then you are simply going to take one of your fingers and you're going to make contact with the glass. It is not going to hurt you. Not at all. You're not going to feel a damn thing. Unless, <laughs> I'm going to say unless, you won't feel anything unless your unit is compromised or faulty. And this is why I tell you not to get, well, this is why all of us teachers, probably your bosses, we tell you that when you are cleaning the unit, not to get that metal end wet because metal rust. And when the metal is rusted, it compromises the connection between the unit and the electrode. And that is probably why you're getting shocked if you are getting shocked when you ground it. Uh, that just means there's a bad connection. So what I would suggest you do is wherever you purchase the unit, go ahead and get you some more electrodes. They're usually pretty cheap. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna assume that your um, your unit is not compromised. It's not faulty. So you are going to take one of your fingers and you're gonna make contact with that electrode. Okay, that's it. You are grounded. Now you're going to make contact with the end of the glass electrode on your client's gauze covered face. Now I like to start on the forehead just because it's the biggest part of the face. It's flatter and it's easier to get used to manipulating. Okay, we've got our glass electrode in hand. We are grounded. We are making contact with the forehead. When you are confident you, you've got a good contact, I want you to remove your finger from the glass. And now you're going to begin to make circular motions covering the entire forehead. Okay, 
Now that you've got the forehead, you're going to move down one side using the temple as a bridge. And you're going to move on to the cheeks. And you're still circling. You want to avoid the lids because the eyelids are super, super thin and there's lots of moisture there. Uh, and, and that can be kind of painful for your client. So avoid the eyelids. Now from the cheeks, you're going to move over to the chin. You're going to get the chin really good. Okay, once you finish the chin, you're going to work your way over to the other side and you're going to do that other cheek. You're still just circling. That's all you're doing. Okay, again, you're going to use the temple as a bridge to make your way back up to the forehead. All right, go to the center of the forehead. That's what I like to do. You're going to pause for just a second. Give yourself enough time to put your finger back on the glass electrode to ground it. And then in one simple movement, you're going to remove the electrode from your client's face. And that's it. You're done. You just did a proper high frequency. That's so easy, right? Until you get confident and comfortable with using one electrode for all of the uh, smaller areas of the face, you need to change out your glass electrode. So at this point, we haven't done the nose yet. So what I want you to do is to get out your sparker. Remember the super thin one? Or you can use your spoon. Doesn't matter. Go ahead and, of course, I hope before you changed out your glass electrode that you turned the unit off. Always turn your unit off when you're trading out electrodes. Turn it back on. You're going to get that nice low hum. All right. Same thing. You'll ground it with your finger before you make contact. Then you're going to go back to the forehead and you're going to place this smaller electrode where most clients tend to get those 11s. So between the brows, you're going to make contact. Now remove your finger and you're doing that same motion. You're kind of circling all down the nose, down the side, on the tip. Want to make sure you get around the flare of the nostrils where people tend to have lots and lots of blackheads because there's lots of bacteria there. And then you're just going to make your way back up to the 11s area between the brows. You're going to ground it and then remove it from your client's face. And you're done with your general high frequency. Now, if you want, if you want to spark, there is no grounding. You are simply going to hold that sparking glass electrode close enough to the pimple to create a tiny little arc. And if you have the lights out, you can see it. It looks like a little um, arc of lightning. And all you're going to do, hold it close enough to create that arc. You're going to give it like a count of two seconds. One, one thousand, two, one thousand. That's it. You're done. So you do that a few times. You kind of like zap, zap, zap. And you move on to the next one. Zap, zap, zap. That's it. That, that's how you take care of pimples. That's how you do just a general high frequency all over. If you have the power set correctly, they are hardly going to feel anything except a tiny little tickle at the spot. Now, if you have it cranked too high, they're going to let you know because it's going to it's going to be a little bit more painful. So what I would suggest to make sure that you have the correct comfort and confidence level to work on a client is to practice on a friend, maybe another esthetician, grab a hairstylist or a nail tech, hold them down and practice your movements. You'll eventually figure out how high your hum needs to be to spark and how low your hum needs to be for general use and to still be effective. Moving on to the mind-blowing part of the whole thing, the thing that sent you guys fucking reeling, using it in a Brazilian service. I personally include it in all of my Brazilians at no extra charge, but I do know that some people consider that uh, an add-on service and they do charge for that. But I will leave that up to you and what you need to do to stay fluid in your business. After I wax, I remove any leftover wax that may be there. And I use hard wax for Brazilians, so there's usually not any leftover, but just in case. And then I do one final clean with an astringent of some sort. Whatever you use to clean, clean, no judgment here. I don't care. 
It just typically helps if it's an astringent. Then when the skin is completely dry, if you need to take another four by four and dry, that's cool, that's fine, do that. I grab my mushroom electrode, I set up my machine, turn it on, I adjust the power, I ground with my finger, and then I start doing just a general high frequency pass. And you do not have to use gauze or at least I've never had to, when you are doing it for a Brazilian. The the skip is not there for me. I don't have to worry about skipping across the skin. There's always contact because the pressure is really nice, so you don't have to worry about skipping. But if you're having issues skipping, then go ahead and band a 4x4 and, and do it like that. Like There's really no wrong way either way works. So whatever works for you. But you're going to turn it on. You're going to adjust your power. You're going to ground it with your own finger. And then I like to start, if you can imagine where a woman has a C-section scar on a guy, I guess that would be right below their belly button. I'm not really for sure. I don't do men's resilience anymore and it's been a long time. Um, But in a lady, I start where you would imagine the C-section scar would be. And it's that same movement. I'm circling. Or I'm really doing whatever movement works for the area that I am in. I go on to the vulva. Uh, I do the crease of the legs and I do the upper thighs. I really, 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 really pay attention to the crease of the legs because a lot of people, that's where they have issues. Um, And also the mound area. I pay a lot of attention to that. I kind of just look and see what pattern their skin has because you can tell if someone has had breakouts or ingrowns. I mean, the evidence is left behind. And yes, it can be a strange, very strange, very awkward experience for that first-time client who has not experienced high frequency. And I always explain the benefits before I start. I show them the unit. I let them hear it because they're always super curious. And then I just start the treatment. And to keep it from being awkward or weird, be as purposeful in your touch as you are when you're applying wax. And then it's not weird. It's just another, it's an extension of the service. You want to continue to talk to them just like you would as waxing. It's literally like applying wax. Think of the high frequency unit as a wax stick. All my clients, they love it. They fucking love it. And they report back a significant decrease in ingrowns if they are prone to them. And in services, sometimes, you know, I'll be chatting away doing their waxing and cleaning and I'll totally forget about the high frequency because I'm in my zone and the client will, I'll be like, okay, now you can get up and get dressed. And the clients are like, hey, 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 wait, 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 the zappy thing. You got to do the zappy thing. Where's the zappy? And you know, I'm like, oh yeah, shit, I forgot. Okay, let's do the zappy. That's it. That is how you utilize a high frequency unit in your Brazilian service. It, It takes maybe two minutes to do it and to do it properly. But yeah, that's how you do it. Pretty easy. And I'll tell you something else I do. Some of you will disagree with me. I know some of you probably do the same thing that I do, but I will send my clients onto Amazon to purchase a unit of their own if I feel like it will benefit them because I'm about them having good, healthy results. I will send them a link for a specific argon unit so that I know that they are purchasing the correct one. And then I give them a quick hands-on lesson while they're in my room along with, you know, cautionary things and tips. And then I, and I'm not shitting you, I make them verbalize my instructions back to me. Like, tell me what you heard. And they'll do that. And they get it wrong. We start over just like they were one of my students. And then I have them answer questions. It's like a fucking pop quiz in there. I'm not letting them screw up at home. That's just how it is. Uh, And they all have my number. So if they have issues, you know, they can text me. I can tell you they love having something at home to play with. 
I get videos all the time of them using it on their husbands, sometimes inappropriately, but it's still funny. Uh, or using it on their kids, like if they've got like preteen and teens that are having some issues with acne, you know, they're they're using it on them. And it's, it's cute. Sometimes I'll get them and they're like repeating my instructions that I gave them on zapping. It's really super cute. You have to love your fun clients, right? But there you have it. That is how to and why you should be using a high frequency unit. I, I do hope that helps some of you that weren't having the best of luck or didn't really care for high frequency. I hope that helps you warm up to it. It, it really does add so much value to your services. All right. In our next segment, I want to talk about social media. But not the way that you want me to talk about it. So if you're expecting some tips and tricks, you're not getting them from me. As I've stated numerous times, I don't know a single damn thing about how to use social media platforms to build your books. I don't. I'm sorry. There are a ton of people out there who think they do and they can help you go so, so Just go see what those folks are doing. What I want to talk about is why and how it is dangerous to put all your proverbial eggs into just one advertising basket. And usually that basket is Instagram for most of us, probably for 99.9% of us. Now you all know I'm old and I came out in the field before social media was the advertising slash business building juggernaut that it is today. So from an old timer's perspective, it's just really fucking odd that everyone, everyone, even large and small salon and spa owners depend so heavily on an app platform to get and to keep their clientele. So strange. Owners put so much stock in Instagram, it's like a requirement for your employment with them. If you aren't getting clients, who's to blame? You are. Did you post? Are you using, are you posting at the correct times? How about your grid? Is it pretty? Do you have a pattern on your grid? It's got to be pretty. People like pretty. Are you using your stories to the best of their advantage? Basically, the entirety of advertising in our field has been removed from our owner's shoulders and placed directly on those of an employee, which I happen to think is kind of shitty. Now, I'll give you this. There are some owners out there who still... They do their part to help build their employees and they support them. But a lot of employers, they have embraced the whole, you know, what are you going to do? All the old stuff doesn't work anymore. This is the world we live in. Got to get on board. When I started in different spas and salons back when, you know, the world was a different place, there was a professional headshot done so that I'd match all the other people that were on the website. The website was maintained properly. It was updated constantly. Emails were sent to inform clients that there were new employees, namely me, a new esthetician, and that I was taking new clients. A goodie package was created to introduce me to people who were were not receiving an email. And it just included simple things like a business card, a few little inexpensive samples, a menu of services, and it was handed out personally by the front desk staff to each individual client as they checked out. We even did a few, uh, what are those called? Meet and greets, meet and greets, yeah. We did a few of those and those were kind of fun for me. it was one of the things that made me think, maybe I should be a teacher because I really, really liked the questions that uh, potential clients were asking during these. But it was basically an hour 
I think it was an hour after my scheduled shift. So let's say my shift ended at five or six. So I would stay over to seven or 7.30 and I would just mingle with people who wanted to be a part of the meet and greet. They would just come back. We would open the door to the spa, turn the lights up a little bit so it would be a little bit more inviting. And people would come back and grab some cheese that had been provided by Kroger, some mini cookies that the owner had grabbed from the local bakery. We had plastic flutes of like a cheap rosé. And then once we had a small bit of a crowd gathered, I would introduce myself and I would do like a quick verbal bio of what I could do, what I wanted to do, blah, blah, blah. We had that quick question and answer session where if people were curious, I was more than happy to answer their questions. And then as they left the meet and greet, they were all handed half off spa services vouchers. And the salon, believe it or not, they took the hit on this voucher. I still got my full commission because the spa was more invested in me building my books than they were in worrying about not getting their percentage of a facial. And those vouchers and those meet and greets, they built my books so quickly in both places that did this. I probably worked off those vouchers alone for the for the first two months. And those people were rebooking. It wasn't like a one and done. They rebooked. Now, that was not the case uh, in the first job that I got after I quit teaching and I went back into a treatment room at my last longtime spa gig. When I brought up the fact that three quarters of my clientele here at that, or rather there at that place, had no clue that a spa was even attached to the salon, I was told by the owner that I just needed to start doing before and afters of my clients and that I should really start posting regularly on Instagram. Maybe do some cute stories here and there, you know, some silliness. People love it when you're not so serious. That was the plan to build their brand new, had not worked behind the table in six years, maybe more, esthetician who up until two months ago had not even been on Instagram, had no idea the fuck, didn't care about Instagram. That that was their business plan. That was how they planned to build me. They did not plan to build me. <laughs> that was the plan. And, and before you come for me, we all need to take responsibility. We all need to do self-promotion. We cannot just sit back and expect other people to build our books. I agree 100%. But I also don't really think that the future of our financial well-being and our livelihood within this career should rest on the whims of an app platform who is dictated by an algorithm that no one seems to fucking understand. An app that could disappear, oh, I don't know, tomorrow. Kind of like Vine. Do you guys remember Vine? Some of you probably don't. That shit was really popular back in the day. And then lo and behold, within like a week, that shit was gone. And all these Vine famous people went back to being no ones without a platform. So yeah, that's how their business plan worked out. Content is so hard to come by for estheticians unless, unless you specialize in something really, really visual like brows or lashes. Uh, the laminations now are really big. If you do facials like me or chemical peels or whatever, that shit is so boring to look at. I mean, honestly, come on. Oh, hey, look, it's a wrinkle. Oh, hey, look at that after. It's a little less a wrinkle. Oh, hey, look, it's a pile of oily hair and skin. Oh, look, it's another pile of oily hair and skin. 
Oh, yay, yet again, another pile of oily hair and skin. Yeah, yeah. Aesthetics, it is a much more intimate service than hair or nails. And depending on the age and the nature of your client, a lot of them, they do not want to be your next Instagram post, even if you crop out all the bits that could possibly make them recognizable. My clients, they are not about it at all. I've asked literally all of them, and this is what happens. They either say no straight out, which is probably 75% of them, or they kind of, you know, they grimace painfully and say, well, I'd prefer you didn't, but... If you really, really need to, I guess it's okay. Hello, I'm not doing that to them. That means they don't want me to do it. And that would do nothing but hurt our relationship. That would break down trust. And I'm not doing that just so I can post a brow wax. So there I am instead on my Instagram page, stuck with things that people tell you not to post. (laughs) You know, infographics. The same four before and after photos just put on different backgrounds. Uh, Numerous product shots, although they are all super pretty. No one cares about my products. (laughs) And I put lots of information, lots of very informative information in the captions. But yeah, no one reads those, so. (laughs) Yep. Oh, Instagram. God, Instagram content. Our whole lives are about content now. (sighs) Besides, okay, look, besides that, most employers, the ones that continuously say, you just got to build your Instagram, they have the world's shittiest Instagram accounts, but they expect us to fucking kill it with engagement. Hello, hello, lead by example. Show me. Come on, show me how easy it is to create that engaging content. Show me your numbers. Come on, show me your numbers. How many clients did that post bring in? How many inquiries did you get from that story that you posted? Teach me your ways, oh wise one. I want to be as successful as you. (laughs) It's because you're not doing it. That's why you're not showing me these numbers because they fucking suck. Oh, and on a side note, this is something else that you guys do to tell us to build our books. Owners of salons, owners of spas, can you please, please, for the love of all that's holy, quit telling your employees of the spa persuasion, usually, to go give a hand and arm massage to people while they are processing and to promote ourselves. This is the year 2021. This is not 1995. No one wants your damn hand and arm massage. They want to be left alone. They want to play on their phones or their Kindles or their iPads. They don't want me or someone else awkwardly trying to make small talk while wrestling their arm into position. I I do have an alternative. How about you invest just a tiny little bit, tiniest, tiniest little bit, And instead, you give your front desk staff or maybe your stylist some verbiage for trying to book spa services because spa is usually in the back and unseen. You could do something like this. How about, hey, Karen, while you're processing, you can relax right here on this padded bench in the sunshine. Or 
If you need any waxing services or, or, you know, maybe you want to discuss skincare options, I can check with our esthetician in the back to see if she has any availability. How does that sound? Oh God, that sounds awesome. Thank you. I'll wax every damn thing. Ugh. It's a lot less awkward than me arm wrestling some client who doesn't want me touching her while trying to entice her into the back with me. That sounds awful now that I say that. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, let's, let's stop that madness. Nobody wants a fucking hand and arm massage. Stop it. As an employee, you, I, I guess you are a victim to the whims of social media popularity. And that's all it is. It's a popularity contest. It's not like you can do much more if your employer does not want to utilize their own resources to help you out. But if you're doing all the things and you still are not seeing growth from your posting, there are a lot of influencers and a lot of accounts out there that claim to help you grow your business through social media. So go look for those resources. You can get some for free. Not everything like that is going to cost you. Or you can get at least a trial for free to see if you like it, to see if it connects with you. But look for some podcasts. You're listening to a podcast now. There are so many different options of podcasts that focus on using and growing through social media. And that podcasts are usually free. Hello, they're so free. Free is a good word in the podcast industry for you guys. While I was researching this episode, I kind of looked some up and I don't know how good they are. I don't know how bad they are. I've never listened to them because I have zero interest in them. But if you want to grow through social media, like if that is important to you, you're an employee somewhere and that's what they're wanting you to do, you have options. There are a few. The Beauty Biz Show Beauty Biz BFFs, Beauty Business Network podcast, one called Spa Marketing Made Easy. There's another one called Spapreneur, like a play on spa entrepreneur. Then there is one called Foot Traffic Podcast. And there were a ton, like there were a lot. I found so many lists of how to build your spa business podcast. I must admit, though, I was a little pissed that no one ever mentions my podcast on these lists. Like, what am I? My chopped liver? Fuck. <sighs> a little, little, little salty about that. Just a, just a tiny little bit. But whatever. If you are, however, a solo esthetician, I implore you. I beg of you to have means of advertising other than your Instagram account or TikTok. God help us all if Instagram tanks and we are all stuck with TikTok. Let, let me tell you. Y'all do not, I repeat, I repeat, do not want to see me trying to recreate one of these odd, kind of looks like a strange form of sign language mixed with cheerleading dances that I constantly see people doing. Shudder, like literally shuddering at the thought of this. (laughs) Oh, let's hope, let's hope TikTok is not what we all go to. But please, on a serious note, set up a website. They are so easy to do now. It's so easy to have a website. You can use a platform like Wix. They offer free sites if you don't mind having like the Wix banner on top and on bottom of your site. You can also get a domain through them for under $100. So it's a paid site, but it is so worth dropping the hundred bucks to get one without all the banners and stuff on it. It shows up a lot better in Google searches too. And you do not have to be a programmer to create the site. They offer a ton of cute templates, 
that you can customize. Uh, and that process is easier than it sounds. Like, I can do it. I did it. You can do it. Trust me. I'm by no means computer savvy. But it was really easy to build and move things around within the template. So easy. So I didn't have any issues with it. You can also watch YouTube videos. I, it sounds overwhelming and it was overwhelming to me, but I have been using, and I'm saying Wix because that's what I use. I've been using them probably since 2016, 20, yeah, 2016, maybe, maybe 2017, but I had to have a website for, I think I told you guys a few episodes back, I used to write smutty romance novels um, and we were required to have an author website. And that one was the one that popped up in my Google search. So that was the one I used. And it was a great decision. I started out with a freebie, kind of learned how to do everything. And then when I figured out how to do it, I went ahead and paid for a site. Like I said, it was under 100 bucks. And it got quite a bit of traffic. Now, Wix, I know, offers options like newsletters, booking. You can do like bookings through your website. It also offers storefronts. And you can receive and send emails directly from that site. It is so easy to use. Make sure you are collecting your client's email addresses, either through your booking site or through your intake form. I use mine to send a monthly newsletter at the beginning of each month. And I usually include an offer code that can be redeemed just once a month within that month. And I try to create a monthly facial at a special price. I talk about products that I'm featuring. You can really do anything in a newsletter. I've never had anyone asked to be taken off of the email list, but I think it's also important that you only send one a month. Like don't bombard them. And you can, like I said, tailor your newsletter any way you want. If your prices are going up, you can tell them. If you have a new equipment, tell them. If you're offering a new service, tell them. Hell, I don't know. Tell them a joke. I don't fucking care. Just make sure that you are in their mind at least once a month. Now, I do still think you should use social media. Duh. Yeah, of course you should. People live on TikTok or Instagram. You'd be a fool not to try and use it to bring them in. All I'm saying is have other means of communicating your brand beyond social media apps. And, and this might sound like a no-brainer to you. This whole segment, you could be saying, can this bitch please move on? But I know a lot of estheticians who do not have a website. They don't do newsletters. They don't hand out business cards. They don't even do tiny little goodie bags for new clients. Their entire business, their entire structure is based from using free advertising from Instagram. And that to me is terrifying. Build your brand. Know that sometimes you've got to invest a little bit of money to do so. Free is great. I love free. But free in the instance of social media apps, is at the whim of someone else when it comes to those platforms. And I don't know about you, but I don't like being controlled by the ebb and the flow of what people are clicking on. All right, I don't think we're going to have time to do another segment, so let's go ahead and do our Pam of the Week. Our Pam of the Week is brought to you by at Erin Livy. And she says, I had to share a Pam story with you from when I first started practicing aesthetics. I worked at a spa that offered massage and facials. And oftentimes between the services, we would place the clients in our locker room 
which has a sauna and a shower for them to use. This particular client showed up an hour early before her appointment so that she could use the sauna. So her massage therapist takes her back, performs a massage, and then places her back in the locker room. There was about a 30-minute gap between her massage and her facial appointment because she was a last-minute booking, and that is just how it worked out. Well, I finished with my previous client a little early, and I figured I would take her back sooner. I walk into the locker room, and this woman is butt-ass naked. The floor was soaking wet, and there were towels everywhere. Now, mind you, there are robes to change into with a sign that says, Do not go into the sauna completely nude. Well, she stumbles out of the sauna and I tell her that I'm ready for her. She glares at the clock and said, I was taking her back too soon. And she insisted that I wait until her appointment time. So seven minutes later, I go back into the locker room. She is still butt naked. And I say, okay, it's time for your appointment. And she gets out of the sauna, throws her hand towel on the floor with the other 10 towels that she has there and gestures for me to hand her a robe. I finally get her into the treatment room. The first thing she says to me after closing the door is, just so you know, I used to be a facialist. I leave so she can change even though I've already seen it all. I come back to find her not under the sheets, just on top of the blanket still nude. Okay, whatever. I don't say anything. I just proceed on with the treatment. Everything I do from that point on is wrong. It's either too hot, too cold, too much pressure, too light, too whatever. There is no pleasing her. Then we get to the extractions and the first one I try to do, she screams at me. You're doing this wrong. You're hurting me. Do you need me to show you how to do your job? I politely said, no, ma'am, but I am going to terminate your service. Go ahead and get dressed and they will help you out at the front desk. And I left the room. Then all hell breaks loose. She puts her robe on and she runs up to the front desk and starts yelling at the receptionist. Her robe comes, comes undone and she's still yelling, tits flying. It got to the point where the police were called to escort her off the premises. Once she left, we had to clean the huge mess she left behind and what do you know we found an empty bottle of vodka in the trash can so this woman was basically binge drinking in the sauna and getting a massage which can make you way more drunk i guess that explains the behavior but this woman was the worst Turns out she had been blacklisted from our spot previously, but she had booked under a different name so that we wouldn't know it was her. It was not funny at the time, but I look back on it now and I can laugh. This 50-something-year-old woman yelling at my then 19-year-old self while her boobs flapped around and basically making a complete ass of herself. (laughs) Oh, Pam. Oh, Pam, indeed. That one was a bitch. Okay, that is all the time I have for today. It's probably more than I should have taken. But thank you guys for listening. And thank you for being so active on the Instagram account. It is fun to hear what you guys are always thinking. As always, wishing you a Pam-free week. See you next time.